I want to know is what is inside of these documents? What could they be hiding that they don't want the world to know? Chinese spy balloons, they've been shooting down UFOs. The worst ecological disaster in the United in the history of America has happened and no one's talking about it. I am not about to start a whole world war over the shooting of a pig. <laughs> Hello everyone, my name is Blake Alexander. And my name is Chase Carter. And this is the Blake and Chase Show. We are back. How are you doing today, Chase? I'm doing good, Blake. How are you doing? I think I'm doing just fine. You know, I'm really excited to spend our time with our audience today. I want to take some time to discuss what books have we been reading recently. Let's give them something to maybe recommend. Well, recently I've been reading The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh yeah, that's good. C.S. Lewis, right? Yes. What's it about? Because I, I need a refresh, because I read that at least two, three years ago. I don't remember too much. I know the characters, though. It was fun. Uh, okay, so the thing that stood out to me the most as I read this book is the seemingly universal theme of good and evil. Mm -hmm. I really find it very, very illuminating and fascinating to me how C.S. Lewis depicts these themes and ideas, like... For example, the allegory of Edmund, a character in the book, who sells out his talent to a white witch in the same way Simon Peter either want the disciples who denied Jesus Christ. I remember him, right? He like yeah. gave it for silver and gold. That's where yeah. that song comes from, right? Yeah. That yeah. gospel song, Silver yeah, and Gold, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, that gospel song. I really like that one. I I can also see this between the characters of Aslan and the White Witch. They are direct parallels to Jesus Christ and Satan. You see Aslan, who's a lion, he's fierce, but at the same time a protector and full of love. In contrast, the White Witch reminds me of that old saying, when elf freezes over, or should I say, heaven, because Narnia was literally frozen. Oh yeah, that was like a main highlight, because they didn't have Christmas there, <laughs> Santa was absent. Until until the power of the witch began to break, then Santa Claus came and gave the kids weapons because Santa Claus is an arms dealer. <laughs> <laughs> they made a Santa Claus slasher movie. Did yeah. you hear about that? It reminds yeah, me of that. No, yeah, but no, no, this time Santa Claus was just an arms dealer who sold medieval weapons to a bunch of children. <laughs> who, who literally came to their professor's house because of a world war that was going on, and then they get medieval weapons from Santa Claus. You know what? That's the whole movie. Now we've got a Santa Claus slasher, a Winnie the Pooh slasher. We no need one to, yeah, all we these, need to complete those the set. Yeah, all these terrible slasher films. Now I want to talk about my book right quick, so I won't take up any more of our audience's time. So you remember the Da Vinci Code, right? That movie. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe not. Tom Hanks was in it, I found out. It was really good. Oh, yeah. Sh yeah. Sheriff Woody. I knew it was part of the Illuminati. <laughs> Basically, Dan Brown, he wrote the original book. It's all about secrets. It's all about how the Illuminati was in the first book, Angels and Demons. This time, it's talking about more religious groups and what their impact was, not only on history, but on how they're affecting the modern day. It talks about Robert Langdon, and he's journeying around the world with this scientist, very much like um, the first book. 
and they're trying to uncover mysteries. They always got these sort of things in books and movies. They call them MacGuffins. In the first one, it was a bomb. In the second one, it's something called the Holy Grail. Not going to say anything else because I'm still reading it. It's been so, great so far. So, in other words, Dan Brown is basically J.J. Abrams if he was a good writer. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things where if you're reading it, you have to actually wonder. It's all historical fiction, right? So, whenever I read it, I have to ask myself is this real could someone theoretically is all this real i just need to make sure that none of this is actually i i have a theory right i think that dan brown is robert langdon he's just writing about himself <laughs> i think that's what this is that i i i have that same theory about a lot of authors and their books i still think that somehow jk rowling inserted herself into the harry potter series i just don't know which character now i kind of want to talk about more secrets speaking of that So now, we all know about those documents that keep talking about. Trump had documents. Biden has documents. Apparently. Pence has documents. Everyone has something in their house, one way or the other. And Trump had documents, which started this whole fad, if I might say. And he dares you to come and get them. So what I want to know... you. Yes. Mar-a-Lago, remember? You'll have to get past my big glorious wall to get my documents for the prize. <laughs> so what I want to know is what is inside of these documents? What could they be hiding that they don't want the world to know? I've got some theories, but I want to know what you think first before I reveal mine. Oh, okay. So here's why I think ain't they could be hiding in these documents. There could actually be some very humiliating information about the U.S. and its allies. Is there anything we could put on America's Funniest Home Videos and just earn a bunch of money? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. That is, I think, about ain't the British Army getting, getting pecked and beat up by a bunch of emus would actually win ten thousand dollars on America's Funniest Home Videos and get sent to the medical bills of British soldiers. Was who sadly got injured by fighting a, like a flock of flock, a flockless birds. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Emus, right? I know about the birds. They're on those commercials like Lemu, Emu, and Dog, Liberty Mutual. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the Saturday Night Live thing with uh, the State Farm? They made a whole cameo. It was brilliant. Oh, yeah. Point is, aren't emus ostrich? They're yeah. like an ostrich, yeah, right? Yeah, the rip-off of ostriches. So, like, tell me about this. What does the British Army have to do with emus, right? Okay, Flightless so you, birds. So, you see, there was a bunch of farms in Australia during the Great Eighth Depression, and a bunch of emus were eating their crops. Now, rather than going to an exterminator or some other guy to get rid of emus, the Australian farmers decided to get to the Minister of Defense. <laughs> That's like calling the Ghostbusters or for something like, Oh, I saw something crash and I didn't do anything. Let's call the freaking oh, Ghostbusters. Oh, oh yeah, or, or I'm home alone and the toilet seat is warm. <laughs> Let's call the Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think in that situation, you probably should call the Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah there's definitely something extraterrestrial in there. <laughs> So but back after, to the emus. After calling the Minister of Defense, they made a full old plan to send the British Army to Australia and declare war against a flock of flightless birds. So what were the strategies on both sides? Because if you've got a war, emus had a side, because you don't know about any great emu generals like 
Colonel Sanders, the bird guy, I don't know, whatever. So, like, what did they think about? What did the British do to fight these things off? Well, the, uh, the plan of the British it is, was basically the same plan that America had during the Vietnam. Um, so they were going to go in, go in, take down the crops, because the emus were actually hiding in the crops. They decided to basically get rid of the tall grass, but when they did that, they got surprise attacked by the emus. Emus. That was part one of the emus' plan, and part two of the plan went a bit like this. Okay, guys, the British are coming, and when they arrive, we run away. Sir, you are a genius. And you see, with the emus, taking, taking inspiration from the British's Russian rivals, decide to leave and burn everything down. The emus basically trained and took all the crops for themselves, ran away, and by the way, beat up some British soldiers. So, how did the war end in totality? I Here's how it ended. How this so, out. oh, you see, the British troops managed to kill 1,000 emus. Good for them. Okay, so how many emus were there? 20,000. Okay, and we lost an entire regiment just trying to fight these emus, and several hundred have been captured. Yeah, I'm gonna give this one to the emus. <laughs> and and then Daddy Britain is going to talk to her son you on USA, and that is how you lose asymmetrical warfare. <laughs> Alright, what else could there be in the documents other than the emu war? Because that's one thing. That's really funny. I can see them covering that up for the British. But what else is there? Yeah. Uh, and because Britain is a US ally, the US would probably not want to get that information out. Because if Russia would find out, the West would never live it down. Mm, I'm thinking about something with Honduras and Ecuador you were telling me about. Not Ecuador, El, El Salvador. Salvador. They sound so similar. No, they do not. <laughs> they do not sound similar whatsoever. Okay, so, El, El Salvador and Honduras fought a war over football. What? God, and I thought Philadelphia Eagles and Cowboys fans were bad. Look at these two. <laughs> so, here's what happened. So, there are already existing tensions in the late 1960s between El Salvador and Honduras. There was a lot of immigration problems because El Salvador had a larger population than Honduras, despite being an ore of magnitude smaller. So, there's a lot of immigration to Honduras. Why? Because there wasn't, wasn't enough living space. Oh, because of these existing tensions, it all culminated in the World Cup in 1970, where El Salvador was fighting against Honduras in the football match. A lady who couldn't bear to see her country, country be squashed by these football stars decided to take her own life what? while kissing the flag of El Salvador. What? <laughs> Wait, so she, this woman killed, what? Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Yeah, she killed herself because her team was losing. Oh god! All right, what what and, happened? And, that, and because of the as of her death, this also had a heated up the fight that led to the football war. El Salvadoran planes and troops were ready to launch a full scale invasion into Honduras, or yes, over the loss. A football match. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. So they did all this because what? Like, were there riots because of this match? Yeah. There's gotta be riots or something. Oh, 
Oh yeah, but was it football or soccer? I, I don't know. They're like the same thing in Britain, right? <laughs> like, they don't know. We just call them the same thing. <laughs> it could be soccer, football, I don't care. The British certainly right, don't. Like, like so, uh, when the invasion happened, the U.S. banana companies were like, Oh no, the war's gonna stop our production of bananas. How do we stop this? So, the U.S. US banana companies caused U.S. to intervene in, in, in the war between El Salvador and Honduras, and eventually got everyone to to calm down and hug it out. How did they do that? That doesn't seem like the U.S. There I was, know. There was a foreign intervention engine using military force. That's the U.S. we know and love. <laughs> so, like, how long did this war take? Like, how... One, 100 hours. What? So, like, 100 hours, that's like, that's like... About three days. That reminds me of Age of Ultron, because they made, like, that Marvel movie that yeah. no one cares about, because they made it out to be like, oh, it's Age of Ultron, it's gonna be a millions of years. It was three days, y'all. <laughs> it was like a week and a half of Ultron. Age- <laughs> that's no, the age- movie. No, Age of Ultron could have been better to have be, like, a prequel film to Thor, but okay. <laughs> so that was that? Uh, just a uh, hundred hours of... Them just fighting in yeah, banana over. companies. No wonder they want to cover it up. <laughs> right. What else is in the documents that well, you think about? Well, what else is in the author? Something that specifically embarrasses the United States, and is it called the Pig War? Are pigs like a sign of wealth in the United States Western yeah, 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 culture? Yeah, 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 they are. Pigs are a sign. I know what. Like success. Right. And they had a war over this. Yeah, they had a had a, had a war because when you're successful, you always get called a swine. <laughs> So tell me what's what happened so, with this pig so, war. There was this island called San Juan Island between the San Juan? No, not San Juan, San John. <laughs> Why is it San John? I don't know. It was because it was between the United States and Canada, somewhere in Washington state. So what happened? Hey, so the British is claimed this island, but also the United States claimed this island. Okay. And you know when two countries are both claiming something, you know that it almost always leads to near near war. Don't believe me? Look at Asia. (laughs) So, oh, because of of this, there was this guy called Lyman who, who was living on the island, and then a pig strayed into his field of potatoes. Wilbur? Was it Wilbur? Yeah, I think it was Wilbur. Is this the story of what would ha- have happened if Zuckerman had actually shot Wilbur in yeah, Charlotte's yeah, Web? Yeah, this is basically, basically, wait. A I, war would have broken out. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what would have happened, yes. So, oh, Lyman Zuckerman <laughs> and got out of his house and said, All right, you crazed, dirty beast. This is the last straw. And he shot the pig? Lachman shot the pig. It's done? Yep. So why after, did the war start if, if you after, shot a pig? And after after Charlotte lost a very close friend of hers, <laughs> hers a British general, general actually owned the pig, what? and he was understandably very upset about all of this. So like the emu war, he called up the minister, minister of defense, what? claiming that an American, Erkin, had actually shot on a British civilian. What? Because you see, Lyman was actually part, worked for the army at the time. The United States, in retaliation to British aggression, actually sent a ship up there to unload of the 66th Regiment to invade the island and start another war with England. 
So let me get this straight. We had the Revolutionary War to fight against Britain for our independence, and then we had the Pig War. Well, actually, but then we had the War of 1812. Oh, yeah. We trying to eat up Canada, then Canada burnt down the White House. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and now we had the Pig War, where some guy, I shot a pig and almost changed the fate of American history. And this was right before the U.S. Civil War. Oh, my God. I don't believe this. So how did this all end? So this ended where this guy... I came to the King of England and, de and declared that he was not going to start a war with the United States over the shooting of a pig. So in other words, this guy had pretty basic common sense. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. Now, I have a guess of my own as to what's happening with these documents. So you may remember that in the July of last year, President Biden, he was having this speech at like North Carolina University or something everyone's seen this meme at least once in their life and if you haven't you better alright don't leave this earth without seeing that meme and do not vote in 2024 without seeing this so basically Biden what he did was that after stepping down you know he said his speech he's done he was gonna shake hands with someone right basic presidential business right. shaking hands we all know that happens yeah. only thing is when he outstretched his hand, no one was there to pick up the slack. <laughs> there was no one there. He just held his hand out like, put her there, and no one put her there. <laughs> right. There was no one. So then I'm thinking, logically, if there's no one there, and you're shaking your hands with someone, and you spend a considerable amount of time with your hand outstretched, <laughs> awkwardly, there's only one conclusion. The invisible man... Is upon us again. Or, or maybe it could be the the Joe Biden's alter ego who's telling him and giving him advice. Like, you know, man, you should really visit Ohio or the border. Don't visit Ukraine until taking care of all the problems in the United States. <laughs> Here's what happened, though. You remember Universal, right? They make all the movies, the the theme parks, whatever. Right. They used to, back in the 30s, when they were still making movies, they used to make these monster movies. Like, maybe you'd see Frankenstein, a werewolf movie. Maybe you'd see Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You had The Invisible Man, which came out in 1933, I think. That's right. You know, he's got the cloth over his face. He's got the goggles. It looks really, really weird. Point is... I think that the Invisible Man might have been the guy he was shaking hands with. That's my best theory. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Yeah, what's all this? Keep back there. Keep back me? It's chance. You've committed assault, that's what you've done. And you can come along to the station with me. Come along now, come quietly. Unless you want me to put the handcuffs on. Stop where you are. You don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing, all right. Come on. Get all of him. Lock him up. All right, you fools. You've brought it on yourselves. Everything would have come right if you'd only left me alone. You've driven me near madness with your peering through the keyholes and gaping through the curtains. And now you'll suffer for it. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. There's a souvenir for you. And one for you. I'll show you who I am and what I am. <laughs> you know what else I wonder, though, if we're shaking his hand? You know, 
for him to be completely invisible, he would have to have no clothes on. Wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> that makes it awkward on two accounts. Oh, okay, so the President of the United States just shook hands with an uh, invisible naked guy. <laughs> That's that's my theory. We're at the height of American civilization. Now, this is something else that's been happening that could be in the documents that maybe they don't want to discuss. But if we're talking about secrets, I want to discuss the things that they've been shooting down. Right? They've been shooting down a lot of stuff. They've been shooting down Chinese spy balloons. They've been shooting down UFOs. They've been shooting down planes from Russia. They've been shooting down on the little boy science experiment. So they just been shooting stuff up like, oh, God, look, there's there's something. Oh, no, never mind. Sorry, that's a plane. Oh, look, there, there's something. Oh, no, no, never mind. That's an actual air balloon. Oh, no, they're saying, oh, guys, I've actually hit something. Oh, no, it's a bird. Oh, well. <laughs> that's that's what's happening right now. So over the past few weeks, they've seen mysterious objects. So they shot a, an F-2 Raptor on February 4th, and then they shot over two more objects on February 10th. And then on February 11th, over Alaska and Canada's Yukon Territory. And they suggest that this comes from China. So, China. we're not entirely sure, but China has been very upset that they're saying that, What? Us? We would send a spy balloon to spy on your government? That's what TikTok is for, and you let that in. What are you guys what? talking about? Yeah, how is it that we haven't banned TikTok, yet we're shooting up Chinese spy balloons? Yeah, I don't understand that at all. It makes no sense whatsoever. That's what they've been doing. And then some of this stuff has been going off for ages. Like the first balloon that we all saw, that was the first thing we heard about in the news. We had known about that for at least two or three weeks, and we did nothing. I we hear said nothing. In, we found out since about October or something it's, of last yeah, it's year. Been it's been since in October. the air. We only found out about this three weeks ago. Yeah, it was a while back. So, the real question needs to be asked here is, why are you guys bringing this up now? Why did you guys wait so long? I think I know why they waited so long. Because they didn't want to uh, get everyone here into panic. Yeah, I know, but that's what Trump did. And it didn't work out well for anyone involved. Well, and, well to be fair... Air Trump trying to stop people from panicking did prevent all those toilet paper riots months in advance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that's smart thinking. Right. I can't think of anything else as it relates to those secrets, though. I think the documents are just going to be their own mystery that will eventually reveal itself in due time. In other news, I guess you would talk about hot topics would be these chemical spills, right? It's been oh, going yeah. on. it's been going on. In Ohio and Arizona. And the first one happened in Ohio on February 3rd. No one was talking about it. You'd think that we would have heard of this at the top of the month, but once again... Because this was the worst ecological disaster in American history. Yeah, but no one's talking about it. And it can be generational, too. So I'm going to pull up an article. I'm not going to read all of it. Some of you can read it. I'm going to leave a link in the description. Basic news. This is from BBC. This is five days ago. For East Palestine residents John and Lisa Hamner, life as they knew it came to a screeching, Wait, flaming halt. Yeah, East Palestine, like the the Roman Hill. You know <laughs> what I mean? They call I only in Ohio. Shit. I thought that was that city, that country in the Middle East. Why <laughs> <laughs> they call it that? So it came to a screeching, flaming halt on at 8:55 p.m. on the 3rd of February. Basically, there was this train accident. It was toxin laden. Is what they're saying. It had grown. They had this garbage truck business, John and Lisa. 
they had grown it over 18 years and now all of it's gone now because the customers can't go over there anymore because of the giant chemical spill in arizona i'm gonna read this next article which is from npr.org this took place on February 15th. It was last updated. A hazardous spill in Arizona closes down an interstate and forces an evacuation. A portion of their main freeway that ran through the southern Arizona desert and links the state's two largest city remains closed on a Wednesday morning. They're not going to be able to do anything. The first one in Ohio looked like it was also in the air because they commented on the way on the fact that they could see clouds and everything in the sky. But in Arizona, it feels solely airborne, although the first one in Ohio seemed to have gotten in their water. They had to use bottled water. There's been a lot of distrust with the government there, saying that, oh, you can use bottled water. That should be perfectly safe. Some people feel more or less concerned about that, and depending on how well they trust them. the Ohio River, which supplies water to millions, and it's in Arizona as well, and no one... I mean, why are people in the government saying, oh, there's nothing to be worried about it. Sure, hazardous chemicals are filling the air and the water supply that supplies fresh water to millions of Americans. But you know, only a conspiracy theorist would be concerned. The people there are going to have a lot to deal with over the next few weeks. Because this years. isn't like an oil spill, right? Because think about it. Oil spills happen all the time, right? We've heard about them. Like, uh, what was that ship? Remember back in, uh, like... 2022 top of the year they had like this giant boat that got wedged within this harbor like what was it called it like, was the suez canal and that was in 2021 yeah thanks like it was called the ever given or something i think yeah. that had a lot to do with an oil spill. it was keeping up mm-hmm. everything like there was like yeah. highway traffic on the water like there were all yeah. these ships that just and could because, not move and all because some idiot decided to finally learn parallel parking <laughs> so that happens but hopefully in all seriousness they do something to fix this hopefully they can get this under control it maybe it'll take place next in a few months maybe it'll take a year hopefully they're on top of this now in other news i want to talk about robots and i'm not this isn't chat gbt anyone this is something totally different i want to talk about artificial intelligence as it relates to fast food i've read about this right some of people's first jobs ever took place at fast food restaurants such as mcdonald's right that's one of their first jobs so when i heard this this definitely piqued my interest so they've got robots at walmart for and mcdonald's for example where you have self-checkouts you might go and where the cashier would ring up your items, you'd leave the store. You can do all that yourself now in most places. Automation. The garbage truck, right, that comes through our neighborhood, it's got a giant claw. There used to be a guy that would take the stuff, dump it in. There probably still is people that do that. They're, they exist, don't get me wrong, but if you have an automated service, makes it easier and cuts costs in the long run. So, yeah, unemployment is happening, Chase, but at the same time, you got to ask the question, well, sure, less and less people are signing up for jobs, but aren't you also getting rid of jobs right. by you by using these and automated services? Now, less and less people are signing up for jobs. Now, Gen Z is kind of the one that because they actually read an article about a millennial works with Gen Z employees and constantly has to put up with their feelings about work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work out for you in a workplace. 
But I remember hearing about this company called Miso Robotics, and it seems to me like they're making a lot of robots for Chipotle, Panera Bread, as it relates to making that coffee that they do. I like their coffee, by the way. And they're making all these automated services. They're calling them names like Flippy and Chippy and Dippy and whatever. They're like robot claws that handle deep frying and other work that would be considered somewhat dangerous if you're cooking the food, which I get. Doing dangerous jobs... Sure, automate those yeah. services, but don't do... Because we should totally automate services that people have worked with just fine for decades. Yeah, that's an argument you can make. But you're going too far once you automate actually bringing it to the person outside. Right. Because I remember hearing this story about our grandparents. Remember when they were going to that place? I don't remember the name. And they had the robot serve their food. And they were like, oh, no, no, no. the ice cream machines work there. Yeah, McDonald's has ice cream machines problems. But that, but that's normal. That's not a robot issue. That's just low-key McDonald's. <laughs> so they went up to the register to order their food. It all went normal. They had to download an app or something, and then the robot came out and got their food, and they were like, oh, heck no. They drove 20 miles or something to the next McDonald's just so there was a person there. Because Thank you for being human. Yes, thank you. Even if you're rude to me, thank you for being human. I get it. And I don't think I'd want to be served by a robot. Like, would you want to be served by the Terminator nope, on a Tuesday nope, morning? Nope, I would never want to be served anything by the Terminator or even C-3PO. I would not be want to be served by a robot. Yeah, because it's unnatural, man. Like, there's human connection you get with a person yeah, when they're I mean, serving your I mean, food. You, you get a real sense of bonding where the guy breaks into your son on roof and goes, Hi there, welcome to your play. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we all just feel closer, you know right. what I mean? You know, Chick-fil-A, it's, it's got that, that homey feeling with the, mac, with, the mac, with the mac and cheese, you know? They, they always say that. So, I don't think that we want to get rid of those experiences because it's a large part of what those companies are. You can usually apply a face to the brand, even on the commercials and everything. They may have less opportunities to do that if you actually go to those stores and there's robots serving you. And then you want to talk about the age gap right quick, like we mentioned before? Yeah, because the age gap, because we have young folk who are used to being served or, or by robots. Why? Because they are robots in some cases. But then we have older folk who actually have developed a personality and lives, beliefs, and goals. <laughs> and they wouldn't like to be served by by robot. Why? Because they enjoy human, human connection. Yeah, exactly. It's so natural. And then there's these things about downloading an app. I wonder if there are people out there that exist that have a section on their phone called stores, like a Chick-fil-A <laughs> app, Walmart app, oh, Target apps right over there, Whole Foods, Amazon, just Home all the apps for all the stores. Here's my thing, though. If your phone is out of charge, what do you do then? <laughs> That's I what I want to know. You have to know. do things old-fashioned way. You're going to have to use cash and actually talk to people (laughs) yeah and i get it because think about it going up to a store and having no one there and just ordering my food is an introvert's dream and even mcdonald's said that they're only doing this yep for the fact that when people go to their stores it's fast food they want to get in and get out they're not going to sit inside it's not an introvert's dream because blake i actually heard that it turns out that even introverts have their limits when it comes to lack of social interaction. Of course we do. Look at them at the pandemic. By, like, half the pandemic, they're like, 
already want to be around people now. Now, I want to discuss Black History Month, because February, it's that time of year, everyone. Right. We want to pay homage to that. We want to talk about the man, the myth, the legend who created it in the first place, and even what it was called originally before it was the aforementioned Black History Month. So, maybe you've heard of him, Dr. Carter G. Woodson. He was born in 1875 in Virginia. He was a historian and an educator who worked to promote African-American history and heritage. In 1915, he traveled to Chicago to participate in a celebration of the 50th anniversary of emancipation and inspired to do more. He helped found the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History and launched the Journal of Negro History. Now, this is the really interesting part, Chase. So, what if I were to tell you that Black History Month used to just be a week. Wow. It's just a week. Hmm. So he established... Interesting. Yeah, he established Negro History Month in February of 1926, and why he made it in February has always gotten me, because think about it, you've got March, you got your Aprils, you got your Mays. Why is it February specifically? I think think I know how why it could be. Because, you know, February needs something special. I mean, it's the shortest one. It only gets 28 days. So, why don't you give it something for black people? Yeah, you know, we dedicate that moment. Because February's got 28. They've given all of their extra days to all these 31ers. And, and of course, we gave black people the shortest month of the, <laughs> of the year. <laughs> so, basically, he established Negro History Week in the February of 1926, which quickly gained popularity and expanded into branches all over the country. It was made in February because Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass' birthdays were both A, in February, and B, it was a celebration for where we all came from as it relates to our history. Woodson authored several books on black history, including The Miseducation of the Negro. We talked about Narnia, Dan Brown's series. Maybe check that book out next. The celebration of black history and heritage eventually expanded from a week to a month. Officially becoming the Association for the Study of African American History and Adopting Black History Month in 1976 was... A-S-N-L-H. That's the full acronym. They changed it officially. Whitson died in 1950, but his legacy continues through the celebration of Black History Month. That's all in all a great, I think, stopping point, because we enjoy spending so much time with you today talking about all this stuff. We'll see what else we can come up with you. Be sure to comment down below in our Q&A about what you might want to see changed or different or what you'd like to hear us talk about. What's you have? It's called a Q&A. Be sure to share this with your friends and family to get our message out there. Got an uncle? Tell him about our show. Got a cousin? Tell him about our show. You got, got a baby? Tell us about, about the show. Exactly. Just get it out there for us. We hope that you're enjoying your day or your night or wherever it is you're listening to us, and we'll see you all later. Goodbye. Bye.